0: From Studio C136. This is one hour schoolwide. All right, welcome, welcome. This is Mr. Mertz. This is uh, our second episode of season two. We have a special episode for you today. We actually have a guest on the show, and that is uh, Coach Carter of the Pinoc football team and the Pinoke eighth grade boys basketball team, and also our uh, athletic director so be looking for that special uh, interview segment coming up after this um i interviewed coach carter on thursday afternoon with uh maya Noon's adams from um our podcast so um thank you to her for helping me interview coach carter and thank you to coach carter for for coming up and making that interview happen so since we did that um, i'm not going to spend a whole lot of time today um, I don't know if I want to spend a whole, to- a whole lot of time today based on uh, my given topic, and that is uh, OU football. So um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time because what I'm going to say today isn't anything that hasn't already been said um, by others and in my head, you know, over and over again for the last uh, six days. Um, but that is um, the Oklahoma offense is is not playing well right now and struggling, um especially evident after that 16-13 to 13 win versus West Virginia last Saturday. Um, the Sooners kicked a field goal, um, basically a walk-off field goal, at the buzzer to win the game 16-13. to 13. I think that's the first time in OU history that they've kicked a, an actual walk-off field goal to win the game as time expires. Um, Spencer Rattler, the quarterback, uh, as we talked about last week, he... He is struggling. Um, he's not the only problem, though. The offensive line did not play well at all. Um, the receivers don't seem to be getting open, especially receivers downfield don't seem to be getting open. Uh, either Lincoln Riley or the offensive line or the running backs are not we're not running the ball very well. I think the team only ran for 48, 50-something yards the whole game last week. Uh, Kennedy Brooks, uh, a 1,000-yard rusher in two different seasons at OU, only ran the ball five times in the game. So uh, now West Virginia's defense, especially uh, their interior defensive linemen, played very well and are very good. Um, so that definitely had a had a, an effect on the OU's run game. But you certainly think the Sooners should be able to muster more than 16 points in a game. So uh, tomorrow, Saturday, uh, the Sooners go to Kansas State, uh, the team that has beaten them twice in the last two years. Uh, so we'll see what happens as they play there at 2:30. I think it's I, it's rumored that it's supposed to be raining tomorrow during the game, so that usually uh, hinders offenses offensive productivity. So we'll see how that works. Considering OU's offense is struggling right now, um, but. Uh, if OU wins the game, I'm not going to be surprised. Uh, the line is, the last time I looked earlier today, was 11 and a half. Uh, that seems like a lot, especially for a team that can, you know, in the last two games, OU scored 23 on Nebraska and then 16 on West Virginia. So 11 and a half seems like a whole lot of points right now. I, I like OU to win the game, but I definitely like it to be closer than 11 and a half. Maybe somewhere around seven. I mean, if it was a seven-point win, that would, I'd probably feel pretty good about that at this point in the season. Uh, but um, I did see a couple articles this week. Uh, One's on 538. The other's on ESPN that I thought I could briefly talk about real fast um, and kind of uh, try to suppress the the, the the pessimist that that is myself, especially when it comes to Oklahoma football. Um, so I saw some articles that might give some uh, hope to Sooner fans. Uh, let's start with five, the 538 article, and it's titled uh, "Yes, College Football's Playoff Race Really Is More Wide Open Than Usual," and it's by a, a guy, a writer named Neil Payne. And it's basically saying that um, you know, twenty-five, twenty-one teams have at least a five percent shot at making the playoff this year, and those top four teams are um, Alabama, as it stands right now, with a fifty-four point nine percent chance to make it. Georgia, fifty-four point two. Oklahoma right? Oklahoma, even though they, how bad they've been playing, Oklahoma, 39.4% chance to make it, Oregon, 31.8. That's the top four. And then it's Notre Dame, 24.8, Iowa, 18.4, Michigan, 17.3, Ohio State, 14.9, Penn State, 13.9, Mississippi, 10.7. Now, um, that's the top 10. That might've been more than 10. Uh, Anyways, uh, a lot of these Teams like Mississippi and Alabama play this week. Georgia plays Arkansas this week. Um, I think there's a real chance Oklahoma could lose this week at K-State. And if not, I think there's a real chance Oklahoma could lose next week at Texas. So um, as it stands right now, I guess there's some positivity that, you know, even though OU only beat West Virginia by three and only beat Nebraska by seven, that um, Oklahoma still has a great chance to make the playoff this year. Um, Let's focus now on Spencer Rattler, who has been a focus of, of pundits and, you know, the offensive woes of Oklahoma this last couple weeks and even got booed by the student section um, last week, um, which I thought was completely inappropriate for the student section to boo uh, your home team, your, your team's quarterback, um, especially, and then especially and chant the backup quarterback's name saying that they want Caleb, Caleb Williams, the backup quarterback. I thought it was in pretty bad taste for the Oklahoma fans. It's mostly the student section I think to do that. Um especially for, you know, a bunch of students that, you know, may not have been OU fans very long, maybe for the last 3 or 4 years and, you know, they're chanting for a new quarterback. I don't. To me that doesn't give you the right to sit there and to chant. You know, you've been watching following OU for for how many years now and you think you can just Call for a for a new quarterback to come in. I, that doesn't sit well with me. But anyways, um, some some you know, I don't blame the fans for being upset though. Uh, there are, there are high expectations for this team, and right now, um, they're not playing up to them. Uh, the defense is playing pretty well, but the offense, which is what Oklahoma's uh, you know uh, personality has been over the last few years, Lincoln Riley's. Uh, Um, mo is is offense and scoring a lot of points and that's not happening but is it all spencer rattler's fault i don't think so um the offensive line like i said earlier is there's there's some issues on offensive line um i think there are players that ou has the players on offensive line it's just about finding the right combination of which four or five needs to be in right um I guess it's five, five men front. But anyways, uh, let's look at this article real quickly before we wrap up today uh, by Bill Connolly on ESPN. It's titled a uh, college football September recap, making sense of a wild first month. And then one of the subheadings is that Spencer Rattler is no longer the Heisman favorite. Totally, totally agree. But um, let's compare Rattler this year to last year's Rattler, right? 74, 4% of his passes, are being completed, which is up from 68% last year. His third down passing conversion rate is up to 48% from 38% last year. He's taken sacks on just 4% of his dropbacks this year, which was down from 6%. And so that those are all positives, right? Um, but let's compare these stats from last year for Rattler, right? uh complete, yards per completion 14.2 in 2020 10.2 in 21 air yardage per pass 9.3 in 2020 7 in 21 passes thrown 20 yards plus down the field 17% in 2020 5% in 2021 and then there's this uh measure that this author has created Connolly a marginal explosiveness measure which is a field position adjusted look at a magnitude have a team successful plays, the ones that gain at least 50% of the necessary yardage on first down, 70% on second down, 100 percent on third and fourth. Last year, Oklahoma in this margin in this uh, measure ranked 26th in 2020, which isn't great for OU based based on OU standards, but it's still a pretty high, high rating. Uh this year the seniors rank 102nd in that marginal explosiveness. So we're not OU's not getting the big plays. Is some of it Rattler's fault? Sure. Does he need to be booed and chanted to be pulled out of the game by the students? No. Does the offensive line need to play better? Yes, <laughs> much better. I think if OU fixes the uh, starts at the offensive line and fixes those issues first, um, the rest of the offense will start to play better. Those are my thoughts. Uh, it's been even though it was a win last week, it kind of felt like a loss. So kind of one of those weeks, and definitely not the way uh, OU fans want to their team playing, knowing that uh, next weekend is their Red River shootout with Texas, who is playing pretty well right now on offense with uh, with an Oklahoma product at quarterback, Casey Thompson. Um, but still looking forward to the game. Exciting to watch tomorrow. Um, and that's that. Um, I'm really excited for you to hear our interview segment with Coach Carter. And that is coming up right now. <laughs> All right. Welcome into a special episode, a special segment. We have with us uh, today, Mr. Astaire, Astaire Carter. Excuse me, um, head co- No, assistant coach of the Pin Oak football team. Head coach of the eighth grade boys basketball team and the newly minted athletic coordinator for I don't think it's its called something else right, right. but it athletic direct it's athletic right. director but it's called athletic coordinator uh, for Pinocchio Middle School um with me today I have uh Maya Nunes Adams from what segment are you from
1: uh, I'm from everything NBA
0: and even though we're not going to talk mostly NBA today she's going to help me interview coach Carter so I'm going to let her go ahead and uh start off with the first question for Coach Carter. Go ahead, Maya. Um, so what are the
1: expectations you have for
2: your team? Um, after having a, a couple of um, scrimmages in our first game, expectations are pretty high. Um, even though last year um, was a crazy year with the seventh graders last year not playing a, a, a down last year, um, coming in, we have a lot of size. We have a couple of uh, Quick kids, and we have a really, really decent quarterback this year, so expectations are pretty high. Um, have any other,
1: like, any players specifically impressed
2: you? Lee? Um, yeah, there's a couple. Um, like I said, our quarterback uh, to me came out of nowhere. Um, his name is Um Lakston. Um, he he really he showed up in uh, the beginning of the uh the, the school year with us throwing, like his athletic ability is um surprisingly really, really great. Um, really good arm, really good feet, really good vision, and he knows the game very, very well. He was very he, he was really well trained for coming here. So we're pretty excited about watching him um, you know, develop and get better.
0: Coach, I've heard that the offensive line is is, is one of the maybe the best we've had at the school because of maybe just big because of their size, uh, do you have any comments on on the offensive line rumors that are circling around campus?
2: Uh, yes, um, this is one of the, our biggest lines that I can kind of remember. Um, we have a couple of like at least six footers um, on there. Um, you no, know, they're kind of new to the game, so you no, know, we, we're really trying to work on them, just getting getting them better. But uh, the potential for those couple of guys is is through the roof. Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the story, the little rumors about about the line, it's somewhat true, somewhat not. But yeah, our line it, that's a, a also another big surprising thing we had this year because, like I said, we have finally have some meat. We usually have all skill, no meat, but this year we actually have skill and meat. So, and like I said, expectations should be pretty high, pretty good.
0: How does that affect the philosophy for the offense this year? Is it? Is it more run heavy than normal years because of the big offensive line? Is it is it still a mixture, or or how how does that affect the offensive line having so much size?
2: Well, actually, I mean, kind of, um, it'll be a lot more mixture. But I think now with a bigger line, we're very we're more comfortable with throwing the ball more. Uh, quarterback will have more time to actually see the field. Um, we run kind of a big a spread offense. So we. Not also we have a big line. We also have a lot of great skill kids. Um, a lot of kids with great great hands, great vision, good footwork. So um, our um, this year we're looking to kind of spread the ball more and be a little bit more balanced than usual.
1: Um, can you describe how you would go about
2: developing a game plan? Sure. Um, we used to be kind of again going with personnel wise. Um, that's a very very, very big thing when we look at, or personnel wise, um, knowing who we have. Like I said, this year we kind of have almost everything we need to have a successful offense. We have good size on the line. We have a great arm and we have great receivers, so that kind of goes into the, our, our own game plans. And also um, knowing the um, tendencies of some of the schools we play for years, kind of see, see what, you know, what they usually have every year, kind of based it off that stuff. But this year, um, with the talent that we have, we kind of kind of know what we're going to go with the
0: game plans. What about the defense, Coach? What does um, I'm assuming that a lot of those players on the offensive line probably are two way players and play defensive line on on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, how what does the defense look like? Um, it sounds like we got size on offense. So, does that size translate over over to the defense as well?
2: Um actually we kinda have um a number of linemen this year. So actually um a lot of our linemen don't have to go too late this year, which is um kind of a, a good thing for us this year. Um we do have we do have size on offense. We kinda of, a little bit of size on defense, but uh, we have a lot of quick guys on the line this year. And um um one of them is Jack Pennington. He's he's a really, really he can be a really good stud for us. Um he came to one of the camps, you know, me, me and my um, brother-in-law ran over the summer. He was actually the MVP of it. So um, I had very high expectations for our defensive line um, and some of our skilled kids in the secondary.
1: Um, what aspects of football like most excite you?
2: Hmm. Um. I guess, you know, the camaraderie, the, um, playing together, Playing for one another. Um, and then you know, whenever when something, ha- something big happens, seeing the excitement, everybody gets hyped. Uh mainly playing for one another. That that that's one of the big things. When I was in school, I kind of make sure, you know, we we're brothers in war. You know, we all we all got a ride for each other. We all we win for team, lose at the team. So so that that is one of the big things I look at. Um, how do you manage your
1: playing time?
2: That's a good question. Um, honestly, depending on how the game goes, you know, if it's like a dogfight uh, from start to finish, um, we kinda go with um our our, our guns, the ones that see if they're doing doing very well. Um this past game we played Tango where we was up pretty early. So when we're up like that, we tend to put um the kids who don't get as much pain time in, so make sure you get everybody in. But um basically Playing time is very big in practice. If you're going to practice and do your job, um, we see it even though you think we don't see it. We see everything as coaches. So basic practice practice kind of plays into that. They're playing time.
0: So we played Tinklewood last week. Is that was that the first game?
2: Yes, yes, that was the official game. We actually had a scrimmage to get Sugar Grow a week before. The Friday before that, I think. Um, so yeah, so Tango was our first first big game. Um, haven't played them in years, so I've, I've never I've never played them since I've been here. Um, but they usually typically have a really good team this year. You can tell they kind of have had their down year. But um, I I've been saying this for years, we have one of the strongest um, districts for football, and I mean all sports in the city of Houston. So um, this next couple these next couple of weeks is going to be a big test for us, especially with Marland coming up on Tuesday.
0: I've definitely ha- can second the uh, especially our zone in HISD is a very competitive zone. Uh, I've known that from coaching cross country and track throughout the years, and seeing the athletes from just in our area that that compete against each other. Um, so who do we have coming up in the next couple couple of games, Coach?
2: Um, this Tuesday we have um, Maryland, and those guys the last three or four years have really been like the team to look up for in our zone. Um, then after Maryland we have Lanier. That's our homecoming game. So you know, if you nothing to do, come on out for that that Lanier game. We love the support. Um, then after Lanier we have um, Welch Middle School, and then we always we end the year with one of the personal favorites, Pershing. Um, that's one of our biggest rivals besides Lanier. But uh, yeah, those are the the next couple of games we are looking looking forward to. Um, if not this job.
1: Well, what
2: do you think you'd be doing? Um, honestly, I I love sports, so I'm pretty sure something dealing with sports. Um, I was a kines major, so um, I kind of thought about going to sports science, so maybe not being an athletic trainer or something, or um, possibly maybe a sports agent.
0: Playing off of that, so you you have a new role this year, um, athletic coordinator, athletic director of Pin Oak Middle School. Um that comes with a lot of responsibility because you're kind of in charge of all the sports. Um, you know, um, so what is like a goal that you have as athletic director for not just not just football or basketball, but for all sports at Um, one,
2: one of my big things is everybody can pe- compete. You know, everybody go in, go all out. Um, make a name for yourself. You know, um, in the past, you know, we kind of been labeled as you no, know, not one of the easiest, or well, one of the easiest teams to play, um, but um, I want to show everybody in the district that we do have those athletes, just like the Purgings, the Marlins, the Wilches. You know, we do have athletes here, so I'm, I'm, I'm very big on you know, getting the talent out there, getting them seen, getting them, you know, getting them the opportunity to be great. So as athletic coordinator, you know, I want to do whatever my coaches need for me to do for them to make, make our kids better. I'm down for it. I'll do whatever I can in my power. So um, and then no support, um, I'm, I am I love all sports. I mean, I, growing up, I played almost everything. So um, being there, actually truly there in the stands, um, one of my goals is to make it to almost every sport event that I possibly can when I can. So, so that's kind of one of the things I'm kind of looking forward to and looking and working on. Um, Can you tell us more about
1: yourself?
2: Uh what would you like to know, I mean? Well well, other
1: than sports, what do you enjoy doing?
2: Oh, oh, okay. Um other than sports, I actually I like to cook. Um if y'all know me, I'm kind of a bigger guy, so I love food. Uh one of the things I started up, especially during the um quarantine, was I started my own little YouTube show called Governor Coach Carter, um, where I Order like like Uber Eats or order order food from the house, you know, eat it and give my little um I can't think of the word right now my little judgment on how the food tastes. Um, besides that, uh, I love watching anime. Uh and yeah, you know, kind of chilling and watching my daughter. She's an eighth grader now, and she's in um, volleyball and she's she's starting to go up club here in a couple of months. So, you know, helping her out, watching her grow, and then stuff right there. So, maybe eating, watching anime, and um, watch my, my daughter play sports.
0: Well, Coach, um, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Um, I know you reached out to me and wanted to join the podcast, so... Anytime you want to come back, you are welcome. Um I, I even I even thought of a name for the segment that it could become. It could be a semi-regular segment. It's called like two coaches sitting on a bench, you know, just talking, you know. So anytime you're anytime you want you're welcome to come back. And I wanna wish you good luck in the in the football season this year and upcoming basketball season. And I wish you success uh with the athletic coordinator and man, you're you wear a lot of hats. Uh, also with your um uh your food uh food critic channel on youtube and and of course uh good luck with uh being a father and all that and uh thank you once again for joining us today
2: no problem man this is this is awesome i i I love this um so like yeah whatever that that little segment seems pretty cool so if you need me to come i'm more than i'm more than welcome to come here thank you for having me thanks
0: coach maya
1: uh, thank you for coming. Um, I had a great time interviewing you, and um, just one more question I have: um, What can I expect from you as a coach, like if I were to join your team?
2: Um, oh, you expect everything from me. Like I'm, I'm not the one to just sit there and bark orders. I'm, I, I'll get in there with you. Uh, I'm more of a hands-on teacher. Um, if it's something that sh- that you can't do, you can do actually. We able to do it, so I'm right there, I'm right there, in there with you. I'm one of your biggest supporters. You know, I, I love teaching. I mean, my profession, I love it. Since I was even in high school, it's something I love to do. So I'm that coach. And then you need anybody to talk to. You need anything, you always come to me. Um, I'm more of a, a players, players first type of coach. So yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us.
3: I had a great time
2: with here, and yeah. Again, no problem. Thank you, thank you, Maya. You are a great host. Great, great questions. Um, again, anytime you need me to come up here, I'm more than welcome.
4: Welcome to Everything NBA. I am Reeve Jenkins,
1: and I'm my name's Adams, and today.
4: We will be covering the four corners of the Brooklyn Nets court and top fantasy basketball players going into the 2021-2022 season.
1: The first thing we'll be going over is James Harden's newest news.
4: A report came out that he wants to stay in Brooklyn for the rest of his career, and this is big for Nets fans.
1: Definitely, because it's very likely that the Nets will have at least one-third of the big three with them.
4: In my opinion, James Harden, at his best, is a top 10 player in the NBA. In game six of the playoffs, you could say that he sold. Timely shots were missed, and he wasn't on his game, only having 22 points and 53 minutes. He will bounce back this year. I don't know about winning a championship, because there are a lot of teams in contention for that.
1: Another popular thing that could stop the Nets from winning a title is that Kyrie refuses to take the COVID vaccine. 90% sure of the NBA is vaccinated. The NBA will most likely require players to take the vaccine, which is not good for Kyrie. I ring. ring. If he continues to move away from the vaccine.
4: I know Nets fans out there who are worried about the situation, and I would be too. This would cause two pretty bad things for for Nets fans. One, it would mean that Kyrie would not be able to play in-home games, and two, it takes away some percentage of them winning a title.
1: Moving on to talk about the top fantasy basketball players. Going into the 2021 season.
4: Fantasy basketball, in my opinion, is one of the more fun fantasy sports you can create a league for. I've never played fantasy basketball. I would love to try it, though, because I know it would be fun. Uh, Speaking of top players for fantasy basketball, I have seven. I have Michael Porter Jr., LaMelo Ball, Darius Garland, Jason Tatum, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and Devin Booker. I love all these players for a reason. For example, LaMelo Ball is on my list, because I think he will get a lot of touches for the Hornets, because he's in his second season and he got a lot of touches last year. I also have Jason Tatum on my list because he's going into a superstar and he's only going to get better from here. Last player I'll talk about is Michael Porter Jr. I know he will have a great season this year, especially with Jamal mom right now in the lineup, which means that he'll get more shots. Also a very good shooter and is a very important piece for the Nuggets going forward. And also the Nuggets also signed him for, to a five-year max million-dollar million dollar contract so they really believe in him.
1: As for my top five fantasy players, I have Chris Paul, Paul George, James Harden, Janice Antetokounmpo, Patrick, and Patrick Beverly, because they're phenomenal players and if they were on the same team, they would be unstoppable, especially if Janice was their leader because of how well he led the Milwaukee Bucks to their victory in the NBA championships to get the team one NBA championship in 50 years. And you can't forget Chris Paul with his veteran leadership and being reliable in the clutch more times than not. This has concluded our podcast, but we hope you enjoyed listening. Come back next week for more.
4: Signing off with Reeve.
1: And Maya Noons Adams.
4: Bye. Bye bye.
5: I'm Leo, Leo Futan, today I'm with Mohamed, Kevin, and Michael. We have a lot, a lot in the Champions League, and a lot to discuss about with Messi's first goal for PSG, which is top class just for, for a first goal for, for his new club. Uh, I saw it, I loved it, beautiful. All right, now, Kevin, could you take us from here? Uh,
1: Manchester United had a game with Newcastle on September 11,
6: 2021. San Ronaldo scored twice as Manchester United beat Newcastle United four to All
5: right, thank you very much. Kevin, Michael, can you take a review? Um,
7: what I thought is that Last game um, of Manchester versus um, Virreale. It was a good game, but we had a little bit problems of lineups. First of all, um, Ronaldo and mostly three people from Team Man United got ill cards, like Ronaldo, Greenwood, and Tellus. Also. We got a comment from the post match. Ronaldo's top-age time holdings hit for the United as State beat Borough 2-1. The Gee played a big part for Post in the first half as he made four great saves to keep out Donjuma, um, Elaser, and Pino. Laurel took the lead just after the breakthrough when Alistair flicked past the keeper. Tell us, Alexi- with a wonderful volley from X-Box, and the game made another important double save later on before Ronaldo fired the winner deep in stop page time from tight end. Thank you
5: Michael now we go to Paris. we have Manchester Manchester City versus PSG. This was a very Manchester City played very poorly compared to what it is. Last year, this is last year, PSG and United, PSG United have a game, and then Man, Man City absolutely dominated. But we have a this game is extremely special to present to Missy fans because he's done it. He scored. He scored his first goal for, for PSG. Uh, he's played. A, he's played. I think he's played three or four games, and he's back in action. Uh, he the way that again the way that it starts the way that the play starts, the goal starts, uh he uh, um gives it to uh makes a catch from the corner, gives it to Neymar, then Tessi makes a run, Neymar gives it to him, he dribbles he dribbles by right two players. Right? Then he comes, then he comes over, then it comes to over to the to the to his opponent's field. Right, right in the middle of the opponent's field. He passes it to him, he passes it to Kylian Okay, And Kylian Boppa, gives gives a, bea- gives a it, passes it back, first touch. Then Messi was the first time, was it, Messi was the first time finish. Beautiful goal, going to top left corner. No way, Ederson was saving it. All, all Ederson did was luck and was shocked. It, it's a beautiful goal for his first goal. Uh, but congratulations to Messi. Anyways, Muhammad, can you take, take that? Can you take that?
7: Can you go I got the match from Barcelona versus Giamastic. So, the the goalie for uh, Barcelona was near to and the, the Barcelona won by four goals. The first goal was a penalty goal by Ray Marge, the second was also by Ray Marge, so he did double goals. The third and the fourth one was by Alex. There was uh, a lot of substitutions since uh, this game had a lot of yellow cards and red cards. This game also had changes for lineups because of Massey not being here. He got injured some time ago.
5: All right, thank you, Mohan. Now we will keep it with Barça because we have big news on Kuma. who will be, be sacked very soon. It's a very bad loss lash, lash. in the Champions League against Chica 3-0. Bar- Barcelona even got a red card. It's very, very poor from the Catalonians. I know that they can do be better. Uh, Eric Garcia with a red card. Very bad. And, they, and this is just very poor but I expect a lot more but after that game they got they got three they, they they played they played on September 26 got three one uh three zero with Ansu Fati making a return which is very big you get any scores. Uh he's now eighteen years old
7: so so we had Barcelona, they had 21 shots, three. Barcelona took 21 shots, the other team took 4 shots. They had 4 shots on target, and the other team had three shots on target. And dang, Barcelona did 609 passes with uh, 12 fouls only, while the other team did 9, so they weren't in fouls.
8: Anyway, sure about
5: that. So anyways, let's go back to that topic. I don't know if he runs. Uh, he's very bad. He needs to do better considering that he's a very,
9: very, very
6: good team. Uh, he's got to do it very
10: so hard for you. What podcasting. The two
5: top competitors are the or he's the head coach for, for Belgium, and then But well, right now, there's also Kiro who will come at any time. to have some Conventus. Like, so those are a little bit very high. And so, hopefully, we get to see some. Hopefully, we get a new coach for the Russian fans the out there. So I'm hoping. Uh, anyways, this is uh, global soccer. I'm your pizza. Thank you
4: very much. Hello and welcome to Inside the Diamond with your hosts, Rafael Arroyo,
11: Reed Flowers, and William William. Athen. And welcome again to Inside the Diamond Baseball Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about a few things. We'll be talking about um, definitely the Astros, playoff predictions, a little bit about Otani, of course. And, yeah, let's get right into it. Starting off, um, I'll go first. Uh, The Yellow Sox. Not really. The Red Sox have a new... They have their new jerseys, their new City Connect jerseys, and they – I don't know how I feel about them. They look a little bit funny, not really traditional with the Red Sox franchise. They, they, they do look good in some respect, but I don't think that they really fit with the Red Sox franchise in history. Uh, Jackson, what do you think about that?
4: Well, I don't – for one, the uniform isn't even red, and it's the Red Sox. I don't really like it. It's an okay uniform, but I don't feel like it honors the tradition. Yeah. The right. previous games. Uh, I don't know if
12: this is right, but I'm pretty sure the yellow and blue is the Boston Marathon colors. I'm not exactly sure of that, but that might be why it's those colors. Mm. But I mean, they're all right jerseys, and eh, I mean, they could, do, they could have done way better. Um, yes.
11: Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Um. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton had two home runs against the Red Sox or the Yellow Sox in a game where they were wearing their jerseys. Um, yeah, Stanton had two home runs. Oh, and the other night, the Astros had a walk off walk. They walked two with the loaded, one to tie, and then they win the game, and that was interesting
12: yeah the answers have secured themselves a so playoff spot uh their record is some like
5: 92 wins and 66 losses i think yeah. 92 wins and 66 losses i
11: think
12: thanks William.
11: that is pretty good they have definitely yeah they secured their the playoffs and same with the brewers jackson tell them about that one
12: Oh, so Devin Williams, uh, uh, relief pitcher for the Brewers, has been really good all year. Uh, actually, broke his hand because he he posted on Twitter he was so drunk that he punched the wall in celebration and broke his hand. So he's gonna be out for the playoffs. An unfortunate but stupid and funny way to. That is not crazy.
11: That is absolutely crazy.
5: Um. Well, wow.
12: Yeah, I think the Ashes have a really good shot in the playoffs. I do think that they will beat the White Sox in the division series. And, I mean, I think pro- they're probably going to take on the Rays in the championship series if the Rays... Uh do beat whoever playing in the in the division series. It'll be a fun uh, ALCS if it's yeah. Astros race once again.
11: Um I think the Astros lost to the Braves last night, right?
5: I think they did.
11: Um in a regular in one of the last regular season games. And then and then also um Ooh, let's talk about Tatis and Machado, their little uh, beats, They were having problems uh, in the dugout because Machado thinks that Tatis should man up and and like go play play baseball, stop being soft and play baseball. Um, how do y'all feel about that? That is,
13: uh, Machado, more as a
5: veteran, was trying to calm down Tatis. I feel like.
11: Well, Tatis has definitely been going off, and Machado has not been doing, he hasn't had as great of a consistent season ever, as Tatis has had, and Tatis has really blown up. I, I can see where he's coming from. Um, a lot of people like Tatis, I am not one of those people that I truly do. Love his talent, his speed, and his athleticism. Um, I don't know. I feel like it, it might not be, it's probably not a good thing for a shortstop third base duo to be in the midst of an argument in the middle of their season when they're about to,
8: um, they're trying to play as a team.
5: uh let's uh talk about Shohei Tani. uh he uh Shomitani hints that he might leave the angels uh he hasn't i feel like he hasn't been liking the angels as much because they're not doing as well like they're but not- yeah, they're not winning and they're not paying him enough for his skill level. Yeah, his yeah. level doesn't reach meet the uh, amount of money that he's been
4: paid.
8: Yeah.
4: Um, I'm not sure. Oh, I can't really speak for Shote because I don't really know his situation. But I'm not sure if he should just leave the team like that. Leave their, we'll leave them without a star player. Maybe he could negotiate for um, a higher contract.
11: Yeah, his, um, uh, his free agency comes, I think, at the end of this year or next year. And I'm sure the Angels will be willing to pay him more, but see what he does. Uh, and if not, I wonder what team will want to pick him up. I know a lot of teams want him, but for what he's worth,
5: we'll see. He has, like, two more seasons of his contract left. He will probably go into free agency if he stays in those two seasons, and then he'll go into free agency. Yeah. Um,
8: Let's
11: see.
12: You guys want to talk about the the end-of-the-year awards?
11: Oh, yes, the MVP.
12: How about – let's start with the Cy Young. We got
11: – my
12: opinion, I think Corbin Burns is going to take home the NL Cy Young and Carlos Rodon will take home the AL Cy Young with a two point, sub 2.5 ERA. How about you, Reed?
11: Yeah, that's 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 pretty accurate. I wish – I really wish the bomb would have taken it home if he wouldn't have got injured. That's, it's a really, really, really unfortunate that – that had to happen uh, because he was an amazing start in the season. And he did great throughout, even, even through – he continued to his pace until he got injured. And that was, like, devastating. I really wanted to see him pitch for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, and along with the Mets, the Mets have, have gone downhill since then. They've uh, stopped winning as many games. They were ahead. They were ahead. Uh, they were leading the league in wins for, I think, 105 days is the record, and then they didn't even make the playoffs. They were leading the league for 105 days and didn't make the playoffs. Is a – that's record.
12: Yeah, the Mets, I knew they were going to have a downfall. I mean, they lost their best pitcher at the All-Star break,
11: mm-hmm. and
12: hitting just was not consistent.
11: Yeah, especially with um, – with Javier Baez, he wasn't doing great, and neither was Francisco Lindor. If, they, if they're if they at their max potential, then they can, they will have a great season, maybe next season, maybe the season after. If they keep their guys, if they keep their contracts, um, and they get their guys playing at their full potential, they will be doing amazing. Same with the Dodgers. The Dodgers, um, they have an amazing team. They have no holes in the lineup except for uh, Cody Bellinger. And even then he can he he, he is fluctuating with his ability. <laughs> he, he can he can do it. he can do it. Um, yeah, the Dodgers have a have great potential, but not all their guys are ever playing. They have a great lineup, but not all their guys are ever playing at hundred percent. But uh, we'll see how they do in the playoffs. I think they have a good good playoff squad, they're good good um, guys who have seen the playoffs before, they're not really new to new to it and they've most of those guys have won a World Series on that team and they know what it takes. So
8: that's probably a good thing for the Dodgers. Yeah, the NL East has been
12: really weak this year. With, I mean, none of them, no one in the division having over 90 wins. Yeah. Uh, the Braves, they lost Ronald Acuna, like, right before the officer break. That was a big hit on them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah.
11: Yeah. Um, I think that will do it for Inside the Diamond. Thank you for listening, and always make sure to come back next week. Um, Once again, these are your hosts. I am Reed Flowers.
12: I'm Jackson McPhail.
11: I'm Lauren Matherton.
12: And Raphael is not here, I guess.
11: Uh, uh, And once again, thank you for listening to Inside the Diamond Baseball Cup podcast. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening.
14: Hey, guys. Welcome back to And We'll Be On The Line with John Boutros, Al, Isaac Allison, and
10: Connor.
14: Connor McSorley. Today, guys, we're going to be discussing uh, the Cy Young candidates, the Silver Slugger, the Golden Glove, and our, and our people, and the Devin, the Devin Williams incident uh, when him breaking his hand after celebrating and punching it to the wall so he can't pitch in the playoffs. So, first we're going to discuss the Cy Young candidates. John Puchos, who do you think is going to win
11: the Cy Young? Should we start A.L. or N.L. first? Let's do A.L. Okay. Um, For A.L., I believe it's going to be maybe – Otani has a pretty good chance. I mean, yes. Yeah, he has had a little bit of a down year, but – he, he hit a lot of home runs this year, and I mean, he's also a hitter, so Cy Young might actually be a good uh, thing for him if he doesn't end up winning MVP. Now, Garrett Cole is on and all for me, so I don't really think he has a chance. But Lance Lynn has been doing amazing this year, so
14: yeah, I think my two candidates for the AL have to be Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn or Robbie Way, those two. Pitchers are the, my opinion, the two best pitchers in the AL, and uh, I think Robbie Ray has an insanely good. He has, the, I think, he has the most strikeouts in the league right now, right? And I also think Lancelin is unstoppable. He will, if the Chicago White Sox do great in the playoffs, if they do, they will maybe have, they may get it to the uh, the American League Championship Series. What do
11: y'all think about this, Connor and Isaac? Yeah. What, what do you think? think?
14: Who do you think is better, uh, uh, Lance Lynn or Robbie Ray? There are two really good pitchers, Connor Soly, Who do you things better? Robbie Ray.
7: Isaac. Um, Isaac. What
11: about you, Robbie Ray or Lance Lynn? Robbie Ray. Okay, let's move on to NL. Now we have Scherzer. Um, we have Zach Wheeler, who has been, well, unreal right now. And, of course, you honestly. I, wait, can I go I first? I really one? think that Brandon Woodruff might even have a shot. I,
14: I think it's not even close. The Cy Young for the NL is Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer has the best ERA in the NL right now, or I think in the entire league. He's unstoppable. He, people were skeptical about him going to the Dodgers from the National City. He would still Produced the good talent that he has, and yes, it succeeded. It is a great. It's a, he's a great pitcher. He's like the LeBron for pitchers about in baseball. He can go to any team and perform. He did it with the Detroit Tigers, the Washington Nationals, and now the Dodgers on his first year. What a new guy! He can he gets along with all of his players. He's a funny guy. He he's can throw hard. He could his he changed his pitching for used to throw sidearm now he like throws overhand. He reworked that. And he still produces the great talent that he has. The guy throws hard, nasty breaking ball. And and now he's unstoppable this year. Who, John Bruggeos, who do you think is going to win the Cy Young for the NL?
11: It's going to be Mike Scherzer and Walker Buehler. The Dodgers have – the pitching stuff has been unreal. They have Urias, They have Buehler. They have Scherzer. They have Kershaw. And when Dustin May is healthy, they are going to absolutely demolish in the postseason, assuming they win their division. If they make it to the wild card game, it might be questionable coming down to the wire and all that. Um, but also, uh, let's move on to AL Rookie of the Year. I, I think between it's, it's between Cedric Mullins and Grand Hero's Arena, maybe. But other than that, there's no one that really stands a chance. For the NL, I mean, it's a little bit closer. So you have Kyle Farmer, who's been doing fairly well. Um, who else is there?
10: Oh yeah. oh, yeah.
14: Let's talk about how the Brewers are already in the playoffs. Super, super underrated season. Has great pitching staff, in my opinion. Has the best pitching staff in the entire league. He, they but have, Harris, not uh, so fast.
11: Like, their relief pitcher, Devin... Devin they Williams. Have Josh Hader.
14: They have Josh Devin, Hader.
11: Devin Williams punched a wall, broke his hand while they were celebrating. And he's not good for the postseason. So. Yeah, but they
14: have Josh Hader and Corbin Burns. Two great pitchers. I think they can get really good. They have some other pitchers very underrated. They can throw hard. The teams are versed in the playoffs. Honestly, there's new players popping up every time. Like George Springer in twenty seventeen. He was kind of like a no name in the regular season. When he went to playoffs, he got he gained so much recognition that he that he got he's now considered one of the best hitters in twenty seventeen. And he was almost an MVP candidate. Uh, in 2017,
11: Can we talk about the Padres for a second. They were doing so well; everyone thought they were going to be one of the NL wild cards, and then they win yeah. two in 30 games. That yeah, was unacceptable
14: I at the start the season that they were going to go to the World Series. Batiste
11: was horrible. The only player that even produced the slightest was Manny Machado, and even then, he wasn't even doing that well. So
14: I think I think I think your point. Uh, awesome. You gotta give uh, some Jake Bernal, bro. He's a great hitter.
11: In the AL, it's the opposite. You have, yeah, in the, the, AL. Bays, you have the Red Sox and you have the Yankees all battling it out in these last few
14: games. Oh, keep on the Astros still haven't made the playoffs. They have one more game to see if they make it to the playoffs. And if they make it to the playoffs, they will be unstoppable.
11: The Braves and the Rays have been unreal. Yeah, I
14: want the Braves to make it to the playoffs. And if,
11: They're making, they already made it. Yeah,
14: that's great for the Braves. The Braves are my favorite NL team. They're great players. If Ronald Acuna was on the team, they—they're definitely World Series contenders. And it's not even close. Ronald Acuna—if he didn't get taken out, he would have had an MVP season, in my opinion. He can hit the ball. He can do everything. He may he, he would have taken Bryce Harper's spot. Ronald Acuna Jr. in my opinion is the best young talent in the league right now.
11: Really? I honestly don't think so. He's been injured for a while, so when he comes back, that might not be the case. Yeah,
14: that same thing when happened to Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger got injured. Now he came back, and he's one of the worst hitters in the league. Nine home runs. He's only had nine home runs this entire season. 150 batting average. That's terrible.
11: But you know who's picked the Dodgers up this season? Max Muncy. He's been destroying the ball, absolutely obliterating it. And then they're also being carried by Justin Turner.
14: Yeah. Trey uh, turner oh. turner is a beast is, right now. Their, their new uh, person that's subbing in for Cody Bellinger, Luke Haley. Uh, what's your name? Luke Haley, right? Healy Haley. Great guy, great hitter. He produces great talent. he's, he's you like, talk like, about how good Trey more.
11: Turner's been? He's almost definitely going to be the MVP for the NL. Right now, it's between him, Bryce Harper, and you can be a little lenient. but Juan Soto, Juan Soto, one Soto. one Soto, yeah. Juan Soto. Say, but.
14: He's really good. Juan Soto, uh, actually. Juan but Soto. he's just not
11: putting up MVP numbers. He's been putting up solid, amazing all-star numbers. Yeah. The entire time, but he hasn't had a full breakout season. Well, yeah, that doesn't like change. He, if he that, his potential, he will be the best hitter that, in this.
14: That doesn't change his that doesn't change him. He's still having a great year. He's Bon Soto. No one can stop him. He leaks his back and he does a shuffle every time there's a strike or a pitch. He's incredible. He's incredible. He's crazy. He's he his debut was he was 20. He was 20. 20 in his debut.
11: Connor, Isaac, what do you think adult, was a senior in
14: high school, between, not in the major between league Between the team, three. Almost winning the three, Who do you think's
11: going to World Series
14: champion.
11: Connor, Isaac, between the uh, the three candidates, who do you think's going to win the MVP? Bryce Harper, um, Juan Soto, or Trey Turner? Let's start with you, Connor. What do you think? I
10: think
11: Bryce Harper. I mean, yeah, he's having a very strong finish, but it really depends how he, like, these last three games and uh it's the plays f- make the playoffs or not what about you isaac isaac what about you isaac who do you think is going to win between think Harper, Bryce Harper, trey or- turner or juan soto who do you think is going to win the mvp
14: You're muted, Isaac.
11: Never mind. Isaac is having some connection issues. Yes, Isaac's um, having
14: some tech issues. Guys, let's go on to the uh silver slugger. That would this is a great topic. Personally, I think that Juan Soto is gonna win it uh Silver Slugger. Vladimir There's not one
11: silver slugger here, though. There are nine positions for each league. And each of them gets a silver slugger, so you have to really see.
14: Yeah, Juan Soto for right field. Juan Soto is going to win the silver slugger. No, it's going to be Bryce Harper. Sure about that.
11: Yeah, it's the highest average. And Juan Soto has been putting up good numbers, but so is Bryce Harper.
14: No, Bryce Harper's – no, let me tell you. Bryce Harper's going to win MVP. Juan Soto's going to win silver slugger for right field. Bryce Harper is having a great year. He should deserve MVP, not even silver slugger. Too good for it. So Juan Soto, I think the next year he will, the next five years, my, my words, he'll be MVP. He will get. He will. He's gonna put up great numbers. Great guy. Insane.
11: Yeah, I really agree
14: Absolute with you. unit.
11: Um, now that we're wrapping things up, uh, thanks for listening to MLB on the Line. Um, that I is our man. Jack Botros, Isaac, Isaac Allison, Allison, and Connor McSorley. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, tune in next time and Goodbye. keep watching, guys. Bye. Bye.
8: Hello and welcome to NFL
15: Best of the Week. I'm here with Noah Cole and Matthew and today let's just let's just jump in and let's start off with the first game. Chargers at Chiefs. What do y'all think about how did that game go? Um
6: well, it was a surprising upset by the Chargers. They won 30 to 24. And Justin Herbert played really well, the quarterback for the Chargers. He threw four touchdowns and almost 300 yards. And Mike Williams, the receiver for the Chargers, also played well.
9: Yeah, Mike Williams did really well. He had seven receptions for 122 yards and two TDs. Herbert was definitely loving him that game. And he definitely turned the tide for the Chargers.
16: Yeah, it's uh, the Kansas City dropped a lot of passes. Wait, uh, 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 like Cal, uh, Travis, the uh, Kelsey got uh, seven receptions and 104 yards. He played really well in the in the
15: in the game for the. Kansas. Yeah. So one issue that had that did happen with the Chiefs is that the Chiefs did have four turnovers which I believe three of two of which were interceptions and the other two were fumbles and three of those four uh, turnovers were in the first 20 minutes of the game it's just it's just crazy how the Chiefs turned over that many times and I think that probably is what lost in the game because if they hadn't won those turnovers, it could have been a blowout. The Chiefs destroyed the Chargers, but they turned over so many times. It just, we'll, we'll never know what could have happened.
6: Yeah, and one positive the Chiefs can take away is that they're running back. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire rushed for 100 yards. And this is one of his best performances of his career so far.
9: So it's not all bad for the Chiefs. Speaking of turnovers, one of them was an impressive ball that hit off of one of the Chiefs players hands and some and the Chargers safety was coming in and he just caught it. And.
16: Also, uh, also Kansas City is a losing record. Uh, they lost like two games in a row. Uh, they lost the first tra- the, tra- uh, the Chargers. And they, they lost against it. They they lost two times in a row, which may have which may have uh, led to their defeat. This
15: time. And so, uh, um, so and then also before we move on, I want to talk about how Kansas City had lots of dropped passes at the end of the game. And um, so now let's move on to the next game of topic: Dolphins versus Raiders. So, in this
6: game, the, Derek Carr had another good game, going for 386 yards for the Raiders. And so did Brian Edwards, He was his main receiver this game. And Hayden Barber, the running back,
9: also had a great game with 111 yards and a touchdown. On the other side of the game for the Dolphins, Mike Gesicki played very well. Ten receptions for eighty-six yards, really good usage, um, and, and also on um, for the Raiders at the beginning of the game, they um, got a safety, which does not happen very often, and they had a very rare score of five during the game, and yeah, yeah uh,
16: Raiders got a safety, which led to the uh, which led to the overtime. And the the safety actually the safety actually helped them a lot, which the defense really did well. And that in, in that led to their win against the, the Dolphins.
15: And so early on in the game, so I think this was the I believe this was the third down. The Raiders Derek Carr threw a pick six for eighty five yards, which got the which got the Dolphins ahead. And so you know, it's it was a big long pick six, if you think.
6: Yeah, so uh, they were all the way on the 15 yard line, so that pick was huge. Turned three at least three points for them into seven points for the other team. Something else I want to mention is that Jacoby reset the backup for Tua Tagalolo. He played. Competently, I wouldn't say it was very good. They weren't moving the ball very well. But he did score a nice touchdown at the end of the game to tie it up and send it into overtime. And Daniel Carlson, the kicker for the Raiders, also had a good game. He kicked the game winner in overtime as well as a – or he kicked two field goals in overtime. One was a game winner and a 50-yarder in the second quarter.
9: Uh, speaking of field goals the Dolphins kicker missed a field goal in the second half and that would that pretty much cost him the game if he, if he would have made that he would. the Dolphins would have won definitely won um, later in overtime he, he made up and he kicked the field goal to tie the game up 28-28 which kept the Dolphins alive and sent them deeper into overtime.
15: Yeah, but then at the end of the day, that really doesn't make up for the missed field goal he had because um, the, she, the Raiders did end up making, the taking a field goal to win the game. Raiders currently undefeated uh, 3-0. And so there's not really much to make up. That what he, It did cost them the game, really, but, you know, we, 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 we We'll see what happens next with the kicking. Kicking this year has been all over the place.
6: Yeah, and the Dolphins, they uh, they go to one and two. I don't think they're doing very good this season, although they had a win. I think they look like a very middle-of-the-pack team. They have a good defense and a struggling offense. I just don't see the Dolphins making it to the playoffs. And even if they did make the playoffs, I don't see them going very far. But the Raiders have looked very good on offense. And they are, of course, 3-0. So I guess
15: we'll see how that goes. We'll see how the Dolphins do for the rest of the season. But uh, we won't know for now. Let's move on to the next game, the final game we'll be talking about, the Packers versus the 39ers. And this was a really, really close game. Unbelievable game. Came down to the finals, Came down to the final seconds of the game. So let's talk about that. How do y'all think that game went? That was a really close game.
16: So the, the game actually was really a really close game. Like, uh, like a bunch of wide receivers got like a lot of a lot of yards. Like Devontae had a, a 12 receptions for 132 yards, which is really good. And both teams relied on passing. Green Bay 261 yards and San Francisco 257 yards. And
9: Devontae Adams had a good game for the Packers, getting 12 receptions for 132 yards. Definitely a large portion of their passing. Aaron Rodgers was loving him. Um, he didn't get any TDs, though.
6: Devontae Adams actually did score a touchdown in, in the first quarter. On a, on a really good motion play. They're on the one-yard line. One in and then out, walking touchdown. Uh, Brandon IU, after basically being benched the entire game in week one, kind of made a comeback here. He had a touchdown uh, in the middle of the third quarter. And George Kittle tied in for the 49ers. He also had a, his best game of the season, seven receptions, 92 yards. That was really good. And Jimmy Garoppolo also had a nice game, passing for 250 yards, two touchdowns, but he did pass one interception.
15: And so something uh, to talk about is that the 49ers' running game this week was awful. They had, in total, they had 21 carries for 67 yards, and the thing they used uh, Kyle Yusek, their fullback, a lot during this game. He had five carries. It isn't common to see, you know, fullbacks being used this often, but... He had he only had 14 yards, so he didn't do much. Uh, and running, they only had one touchdown. On uh, just really bad running this game. Uh, let's see how they recover for next week. Let's hope that gets better because you know you need a running game to have a good offense.
16: Yes, the the 49ers had a lot of turnovers, which led to their which led to their upset. And the, uh, and, uh, they they just need to reduce the turnovers to to. Yeah, to win
9: a lot of the games. Yeah. Um, Turnovers have definitely been a problem for most of the teams for this part of the season. Um, There's been quite a few interceptions that have led to TDs that cost teams the game. Um, 49ers turnovers probably would have helped them win the game if they hadn't done them, but I don't really think they were that important since they never really got taken back for big yardage or in important parts of the game.
15: And then at the end of the game, but well, we can't really say all bad. Uh, at the end of the game, the Packers they kicked a field goal, fifty Mason Crosby fifty yard field goal to win the game. Uh, the score was twenty seven to thirty eight. He kicked the field goal to win the game. It was. Great pick, and I know this is, isn't really one of the games we're talking about, but the field goal record was was broken this week with Justin Tucker picking a 66-yard field goal.
6: Yeah, and that's all for this week. Thank you for listening, and bye.
17: Bye. Uh, hello, this is NFL Top News, and today it's me, Russell Goshen, our co host, um, let's start off today's topic with that crazy field goal by Justin Tucker on the Ravens. God damn, a 66 yard field goal, making an NFL record. I was watching that game too on Red Zone, I was like watching all the games at the same time, and like, and then it went on one thing uh, one like it showed the Ravens and Lions game. I was like, oh, what's about to happen here 14 15. I thought they were crazy trying to kick that. And then after the game, I like I realized was hitting sixties for a warm up, bro. Justin Tucker is insane. Uh, there's nothing else to it. Um now speaking of the Lions, I, I just feel bad for them. They they get wrecked in the most memorable ways, bro. I remember back in twenty fifteen, Aaron Rodgers chucked that ball like fifty one yards to win that I think it like yeah, win the game against the Lions. It was it was bad. I still remember it. And I was like seven, eight, something like that. Anyway, uh, speaking of the Lions, former QB Matthew Stafford is on the Rams now, and he was he was going crazy. Uh, I was watching the game, and the Rams destroyed the Buccaneers, making them uh, have a 3-0 record. One of the four or five undefeated teams so far in the NFL. Uh, I think the Rams are up for a pretty good season. Uh, I personally predict they're going to go like fifteen and three, maybe lose to San Francisco. I think they might lose to the Seahawks too. Maybe some other team. And they have a really good shot at the playoffs. Now it's kinda of bit early to say the ring. Um, the ring I think you need to be like eight, nine games in, maybe like twelve, ten, something like that. And but I I'm happy to see Matthew Stafford off the lines finally. He's a really good leader. And he finally gets the res- <clears throat> finally gets the respect he deserves now that he's off the lines. <laughs> the stats have been showing that this, by going 321 yards against Chicago, 278 yards against Indianapolis, and 343 yards against the Buccaneers. That Buccaneers game was crazy. Um, one more thing I want to talk about before uh, I hand it off to Ibrahim is, I the tight ends. Uh, I just I just started watching. The Titans have uh, on Kansas. Travis Kelsey, is really good. Um, I don't know about Kansas there. I think they're one and two right now. I know something feels a bit off about Kansas right now, but yeah. Uh, hand it over to Ibrahim, though. Hello, my name is Ibrahim.
18: And uh, recently the Texans played the Panthers and lost with a whopping score of twenty-four to nine. Uh, the Texans lost, in my opinion, the Texans lost mainly due to their weak offensive plays. And this was due to uh, their starting QB Ty- Tyrod Taylor's injury. He was uh, scoring a touchdown against the Panthers this game and uh, injured, got a second-degree hamstring injury. He was replaced by a uh, secondary, new rookie QB Davis Mills, who had to step in. He did some pretty nice passes, but it just wasn't enough for the Texans to take a win. And although I think the Texans would have lost either way, I think they would have performed much better this game with their starter. Uh, and I feel Mills is a great QB, but he just lacks the experience he needs to maybe – and maybe in a few years he could truly shine. But if the Texans don't get their QB back, I don't think – I don't think things will work too good for them. Uh, what are your opinions on the new uh, – Davis David Mills? Rustin?
17: David Mills uh, – I could see a lot of potential in him. Just uh he's kind of new to the game. I think I drafted him like the third round or something. So he's not the best of the best, but he ain't that bad. That's kind of underwhelming. Um are gonna, I think are gonna be a pretty good team this year, so yeah, they did okay. I think Kyle Taylor's better right now, with really, his like better in experience. OP, okay. he knows more about the game, but yeah, they know.
18: Thank you, Rustin. Uh, now, we'll be letting Bobby talk. Alright, so I will be uh, talking about how uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, is uh, returning back, said uh, Green Bay Packers after everyone thought he was going to retire because of his age
12: and I didn't think he's going to get injured. And. Uh,
10: it was quite to see that he came back.
12: Uh I don't know who would have taken a spot if he were to have retired,
0: but it would have been
17: quite a surprised to some more. And uh was driving really they brought the Jameson Munson to replace him. And uh, uh, he's done pretty good. He's actually an MVP candidate right now or one of my top MVP candidates right now. But I don't think he I don't think he'd be able to uh fulfill how good Breeze was before he retired. But I think he'd be like pretty close to doing that. Next is uh, Watson and his, so Joe, uh, I don't know if a or block, but even if he does come back clean, I think it would be pretty hard uh, like to try and get back to There's a lot of people that go down that path with, like, fake stuff and all, like, or even if it's real, some people just never, ever come back off
12: of
18: that because it just puts a bad name on any team that he goes to and it just puts a bad name on himself and it just makes people have a bad image of him and like uh, teams and
17: managers just don't want that on their team. Uh, well, him getting taken off of the uh, Texans, I don't know if their next, I think Abram was talking about their QB, I don't know if he'd be able to feel how good Deshaun Watson was just was top say uh, QB, he just got
12: put on the wrong team and, and the coach wasn't that good, like letting go of a lot of their star
17: players, I just don't think that that's the right decision. But he does
16: have an offer from
17: the Dolphins. I'm not too much of a Dolphins fan. I think that they're, signing, but that they're thinking about signing him. And uh, I don't know how that's going to play out. Because I haven't really watched the Dolphins at all this season. I don't know if they're somewhat decent or if they're really good or if they're really bad. I don't know if they have And also, I don't know if they're showing the a great clip for that team, but it would be amazing to see him in the, the Dolphins uniform.
18: Uh, Brady also signs the extensions with
10: the team. They'll probably be
17: pretty dominant. The is are pretty high. We all know if he say in the league so on his own, especially if he gets injured this season, with a whole bunch of like Mike Evans, all those other people, I think that he would definitely pick one because, like, definitely be able to have a chance at the Super Bowl. And uh, that's about it, If Russell, you're gonna
10: wrap
7: it up or something. That's it. Just like, end it, end it, end
17: it. That's it for today, NFL Top News. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.
8: Thank you. Welcome back to Nothing But Net. I'm your host, Issa Kadri, and I'm,
19: jo- I'm joined today by my partners, Adam Gospin, and Sean Allen. Today, we'll be talking about who the real GOAT of basketball is. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, or Larry Bird? Over to you, Adam.
3: The first person we'll be talking about is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is on the top three list for who is the all time GOAT in basketball. Michael Jordan has the highest career points per game um, at 69, LeBron is second with 61, and finally Larry Bird with at least 60. Michael Jordan also has a higher net worth than LeBron, although most of it was earned off court. Well, LeBron James and Larry Bird have been um, uh, have been talked about over the past few years on who is the best. Sean, over to
6: you. LeBron has more total career points, rebounds, assists, and
9: blocks
10: than Michael Jordan. LeBron
19: James has more total career points, rebounds, assists, and blocks than Michael Jordan.
10: <laughs>
11: Y'all think that like LeBron better than Michael Jordan right now? I think I can't it's backwards,
3: but uh, LeBron in my opinion has more athleticism and opportunity and more opportunities than Larry Bird.
19: LeBron is also more durable as he's gotten injured only a couple times in his entire career. Michael Jordan and especially Larry Bird have gotten injured a lot more than him.
3: Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan has uh, in the past faced nine Hall of Famers and beat nine in NBA Finals. Although LeBron has faced 27, he has also beat 20. Jordan played with Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, which is less time to make but He also helped the team get further into the playoffs.
19: LeBron has also been to more championships than Michael Jordan, but he's also lost more while playing against Hall of Famers like Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Kovalev, or future Hall of Famers. Although it has to be considered that some of those players were considerably older. Tim Duncan was nearing the end of his career, the time he faced LeBron in the finals. Tony Parker was around 32 years old, and Manu Ginobili was around the same age as Tony
3: Parker. Michael Jordan's goals never won this series against Larry Bird in the Celtics in the playoffs. Larry Bird also has the highest rebounds per game out of the three at 10 rebounds per game. Uh, In the past recent years, LeBron uh, has been the best playmaker out of the three for the last years of all three players.
9: <laughs> Michael Jordan has the highest
11: career points per game with sixty-nine, the second with sixty-one, third very sixty.
19: Okay. Um. Yeah. I think it has to be taken into account that LeBron James has more career points, rebounds, assistant blocks, because he's also played more seasons and more games in the regular season. I agree
10: with He's that.
19: also been to playoffs more times, and, uh, well, he's gotten injured less, which I've said already.
3: LeBron James, in his great highlights, He's very durable and can shoot the ball very well. From three-pointers, dunks, layups, and free throws, he's good all around the court, and especially on defense
18: too. Larry Bird, however,
19: can be considered better from three-point range, as he has a career average at about 37% from deep. And this is also at a time when three-pointers are not as common as they are now, in the 80s. Most players didn't even know how to shoot three pointers, let alone as efficiently as he
3: did. Michael Jordan also has his own shoe brand, which is worth um, a ton of money, which is why he's made more than LeBron off court. LeBron James is the best playmaker out of
11: three. I I, I think the James, here's the best play the well in their drivers because basketball has more modern through the years that it's been along. So more better plays and other things have been more famous
9: since Michael Jordan has started.
19: Michael Jordan never won a series against Larry Bird and the Celtics but this is also because Larry Bird had some help in Kevin McHale and the other star players that I cannot remember. Michael Jordan's Bulls only drafted Scottie Pippen in 1985, so for a couple of years, he didn't have his most famous second option to rely on against Larry Bird's team. Throughout
3: Michael Jordan's career, he averaged about 38 points per game with his highest ever being around 40 points per game. Michael Jordan was not the best defender while Larry Bird and LeBron James have been exceptionally good defenders.
19: Adam, I've got to disagree with you on that. Michael Jordan was an amazing team defender. He might not have been better than LeBron or Larry on -on player-on-player defense, but as a team defender, he was probably out the best out of the three of them. He also has more steals than LeBron James and Larry Bird, even though Bird has the most famous one to win the playoffs.
3: Yeah, but even though Jordan is better at, uh, it might be a little better at scoring, LeBron James can grab rebounds and assists. Um, while both players are decent at defense, Jordan did have better stats and steals, but LeBron had better
19: at blocks. Blocks may not be a necessity to a shooting guard like Michael Jordan, though, because blocks in the 90s were more of a center's job. There weren't many players that could play all five positions like LeBron James can now. So blocks were not as important to a shooting guard steals were much more important as it helped the teams get an extra possession and it stopped their opponents from making more shots
3: speaking about worth, lebron james is worth 1.5 billion dollars while jordan is only
10: 1.6
3: lebron james is ranked third in uh nba history in points with 35,376
11: points while Michael
3: Jordan is right behind him.
11: So, Michael Jordan has not had the chance to play against LeBron. So, we don't really know what would really happen if they went against each other. But, Larry Bird and Michael Jordan have had opportunities to raise each other
19: in basketball, so. I think it has to be considered that Michael Jordan was near the beginning of his career when he was facing Larry Bird. And he still almost beat Bird multiple times. I think if we saw a prime Michael Jordan go against a prime Larry Bird, I think Michael Jordan's team would win. They had their best team they've ever had. Michael Jordan's team has gone 72-10 in the playoffs, which was the best season any team has ever had until Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors won one more game. A couple years ago.
3: As of stats, LeBron James numbers show that he is a better overall player. However, Jordan has more overall and has better final weapons. Although LeBron's stats shows he's more efficient than Jordan, Jordan has a better free throw percentage and that improves his points per game average.
19: Free throws have never been LeBron's strong point. Averaging about 66 percent most years, while Michael Jordan would average about 80, 82 percent. And Michael Jordan's also six for six in championships, so he has six rings while LeBron only has four, and Larry Bird has, and Larry Bird has around three.
3: This so, this season, LeBron James is going to have a superstar team with himself, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and DeAndre Jordan. This team could be one of the best ever made.
19: If Michael Jordan's current team, or Michael Jordan's team for, from the 1995 season, Based off against LeBron's team next season, who do you guys think would win? Personally, I think
3: LeBron would win being much more efficient than
19: Jordan. Do you think Jordan would play better today than LeBron does now? Not at his current age, but at the same age LeBron James is now, so around 36 years old.
11: I think uh, Michael Jordan would be better than LeBron
9: James if he
10: was was the age of LeBron
19: James right now, or like in his prime, and he faced up against
11: LeBron James. No, I think Michael Jordan would win. You think Michael
19: Jordan would win? Yeah. Adam, who do you think would win if both players were thirty-six years old and they played today against each other?
3: I still honestly think um, LeBron would win. He is much more experience and possibilities in a regular game.
19: LeBron is also physically a better specimen than Michael Jordan. He's taller, he weighs more, and has more muscle. He's also around the same speed with Jordan probably edging that out by a
11: little bit. Michael Jordan has a higher network than LeBron James. Plus, most of Michael Jordan's net worth was made off-court. I think this because Michael Jordan was in a lot of, like, promotion ads because he's, like, the best basketball player of his time. So he was in a lot of ads, and he gets Space Jam. LeBron James also did Space Jam, but I'm not sure.
3: Michael Jordan's oh was six foot eleven uh sorry, six foot eleven, meanwhile LeBron James is six foot nine. But Michael Jordan does weigh less than LeBron, which means LeBron might have more strength and power to the rim.
19: Who do you think revolutionized the game more? LeBron James, Michael
10: Jordan or the
3: I that I think Michael Jordan really made the game more popular because of his athletic ability back then and his general talent on the court.
19: I agree with you. I think Michael Jordan has changed the game the most and made it the most popular. He's often considered the GOAT. Between LeBron or Jordan, most people would say Jordan, but I don't really know. Michael Jordan made the game what it is today. His high-flying dunks and game winners clutch game winners like the shot he hit in the finals the ankle breaker from the three point or from the free throw range that was just an amazing highlight and i think it really sums up who michael jordan is he's one of the best players of all time meanwhile in
3: 2018 i think uh, LeBron James had that spectacular block against the, the Golden State Warriors. That was actually 2016. Yeah, uh, uh, 2016 he had that spectacular block while Andre Iguodala was driving for a layup. That was probably the play of the playoffs, I would say, in my opinion.
19: That block was also followed up with Kyrie Irving's three-pointer over Steph Curry to win the finals for the Cavaliers. Their first finals
3: the NBA. Yeah, I think that was also a very special moment for LeBron because he delivered what he said he went to his city after all of the years he had worked hard for.
19: Can we also talk about how the Cavaliers were down three to one in the playoffs of against, the, against the team with the team team best with record in the NBA. NBA. Yeah. LeBron James brought them back in games four and five.
3: Yeah, that was a big historical moment, and that just shows dedication and never giving up to your team
19: that's about it for today we'll see you next time on nothing but that thanks
13: Alright, welcome back to Real Football. This is your host, Borna Andrick and David Camarillo. Alright, so today we are going to be talking about Champions League games that happened this week and the Serie A, Serie a predictions. Alright, so the first game that happened is a big upset with Sheriff beating Real Madrid 2-1. to uh,
12: Karim Benzema scored for Real Madrid.
13: And two other players for Sheriff scored. So the timeline was that Sheriff scored in the 25th minute with Benzema gaining a penalty in the 65th minute, which he scored. And then in the 89th minute, one minute before the game ended, um, Sheriff got a late goal and sealed the win. So that was a ginormous upset for a lot of people. And then All right, so this was a pretty sad game for uh, Milanese fans because Rafael Liao scored in the 20th minute. And then nine minutes later, Frank Kessier did get a red card. But they managed to hold on until the 84th minute with Antoine Griezmann scoring a goal. And then in the 90-plus seventh minute, Luis Suarez got a penalty, which he converted into a goal. Okay, um, and then PSG versus Man City Um, with PSG winning 2-0 with Messi scoring his first goal for PSG, which was an absolute banger. All right, and that was a great game with Man City having most shots with 18 shots and PSG with only six. And but it was a pretty even game in possession, with Man City having 55% and 45% for PSG. Um, up next we have uh.
12: Chelsea. So we had Juventus versus Chelsea. Juventus uh 1-0, one,
13: one with Federico Chiesa, the young talent himself, scoring the only goal of the game. Chelsea did dominate in possession and shots, but Juventus managed to seal the win. And then the last game is... Man United
12: uh, versus uh, Villarreal. Uh, It was 2-1, Man U won.
13: And Manchester United... um, So this was the rematch from the Europa League last year. And it came out, came a different outcome with Manchester United be- beating Villarreal this time. So Real, Vill- Villarreal scored first, but then quickly Alex Telles made the tie. With then Cristiano Ronaldo, the man himself, scoring in the 95th minute of the game. And then another ginormous upset was Barcelona losing to Benfica 3-0. Uh, It was a pretty even game, in my opinion. Barcelona did have more possession, but less amount of shots. Their defense, though, was looking pretty shaky, which led to three goals. One in the third minute, one in the 69th minute, and one in the 79th minute. With the only thing happening to Barcelona is that Erika Garcia got a red card in the 87th minute. So that is all the game so far in the Champions League. And now we'll head over to our Serie A predictions. So, um, Caleri is going to play Venezia, which I actually think will be a pretty good game. But in the end, I do think Caleri are going to win 1-0. I uh,
12: I agree with you. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting game, but uh, yeah.
13: Next up is Salernitana versus Genoa. Genoa will have a pretty hard game, and so will Salernitana. Salernitana. They both have. They both are pretty low down in the table, and it will be an interesting game. I personally think Genoa will um, have the win though.
12: Uh next up we have Torino versus Juventus. Uh what are you what are your so, opinions on this match? Uh, this
13: is the Derby de la Mole, which is um both Torino t- teams playing against each other. And I really think that Juventus it, it will be a good game. Torino and Juventus are have, have been playing pretty well in the past yeah. a few games. But Juventus have been having a pretty shaky season so far. Yeah, yeah. Um I hopefully, says a Juventus fan, I do think Juventus will win against Torino. All right, next up, we have Inter Milan versus Sassuolo. Um, This game is going to be all right, but I do think Inter Milan will probably dominate the match and end up winning against Sassuolo. Uh,
12: I agree, too. I think Inter Milan is going to win this one. After that, we have uh, Bologna versus uh, Lazio.
13: What do you think? I think... uh, Um, I think Lazio is going to win. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Chiuro Mobile has been absolutely on fire at the moment with, he is top in goals right now with six goals. And then next up we have Verona versus Spezia. Um, I personally think Verona is going to win, even though it'd be nice to see Spezia pull off a win. Um, next up we have Sampdoria versus Udinese. (laughs) Um, and it will be a good game. I, I honestly think it might be like a 2-2 tie. I do think yeah. that it will have some hard games, but I think it will be a good game. Do you think... Do you have a prediction is it's going to be a tie, or do you think it's just going to be a... Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be a tie. 2-2. Yeah. Two two. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair All enough. right, then we have Napoli versus Fiorentina, with Napoli most likely going to win, because yeah. right now they have a perfect... They've been doing really well, yeah. Yeah, they have not lost or tied a game, sitting at 15 points. Yeah, top of the table right now. Uh, after that, we have Roma versus uh, Empoli, Magic. and I'm, um, yeah, I think Roma is yeah. going to win. Um, Jose Mourinho, their coach, has been doing pretty well, and I think Roma will get the revenge on last week's loss against Lazio. Yeah, yeah. And next up, maybe the most interesting game at the moment is Atalanta versus Milan, AC Milan um they both have doing pretty well at the moment um I do think Milan is gonna win two to one probably um yeah it'll be a really good game probably the most interesting game of the of this week yeah yeah that's it for all our match day sound predictions uh thank you for listening to our podcast uh
12: this, these are your hosts and uh, see you next time bye bye
3: Hello, this is the European Soccer Report. Uh, hello, this is the European Soccer Report. And brought to you by Federico Moraldi. Blake Wilson. Mitchell Chen. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about the Champions League. How there were some crazy games this week. For real. PSG yeah. beat Man City. That's a, That's probably the biggest game that happened this week. Agreed. I mean, Barcelona got destroyed by, um, what was it? Uh, Benfica. Yeah, that was also incredible. Yeah, the the they, share of Real Madrid was an upset. That was, yeah, that was a huge shock. Real Madrid, I thought Real Madrid was going to easily squeeze past Sheriff. And then United beating their European, Cristiano Ronaldo with the 95th minute goal. Yeah, that was, that was was pretty, that was incredible. Everyone thought it was going to be a tie and then Ronaldo just
2: hitting their revenge
3: on Real Royale from last year's. uh, Yeah, and And then Chelsea, the winners last year of the Champions League, lost to Juventus. With a great goal by Keza. yeah, that was a very nice goal. The flick from to Messi for PSG's second goal that kind of s- certified their win was very very nice. Yeah, Messi no, really finally scoring his first goal for PSG, and then also Milan Atletico with the Milan leading until a tire by Griezmann great goal that was at the 84th and 97th minute penalty to win it by Luis Suarez. Yeah, um, the Porto versus Liverpool game was, I mean, we knew Liverpool was going to win, but it was an absolute beatdown. Yeah, they, they completely just destroyed him. Bayern, too, with Dino Mokiev, 5-0. And yeah. Zenit, Malmo, 4-0 is a lot. And then, in a long time, that's kind of a shocker. And then Leipzig Club Rouge Club Rouge was able to win that game. I think yeah, that's I'm That a really good team. Bang and Bang with PSG and Man City in the group. That was a pretty big win. Like it was important for them. See, but now they're now I think they're tied. Yeah, they're they're second. No, in the group no stage. never mind. No, Club Rouge and PSG are tied. City is. Yes, yeah. yeah, City's in third the three yeah and then dorman sporting Dortmund only won one nail i think it could have scored more but it wasn't it wasn't that bad dorman's pretty good and then so
11: the sheriff beat real madrid which is a big shocker yeah that was yeah that was crazy i'm gonna
3: say i think sheriff's actually gonna pass in the group stage at least second if not first because they okay. already beat two teams Oh, yeah sure i mean you, i think they covered almost everything in champions league you all want to go talk about the europa league sure wait one more game before we move on wolfsburg sevilla an 87 minute penalty to tie it for sevilla after a red card by the wolfsburg i mean that was a pretty good game yeah i agree Ooh! Nothing speaking of bad. European League, at the moment European League is going on right now with majority yeah. of teams at halftime. Right yeah. now, uh, Lyon tied with Groning, Legia Le- Warsaw beating Leicester, Napoli beating Moscow but Napoli has a red card, Monaco beating Real Sociedad, and games to come are West Ham, Rapid, Lazio, Moscow, Celtic, Leverkusen, Dynamo Zagreb, Jink. So, Tassari versus Marseille, there's a bunch of teams. Yeah, PSB, how that'll pro- progress as of right now. Yeah, There's going to be a pretty good competition down there. And then we have to see the teams getting third place in the Champions League group stage, who they're going to be to move down to the Europa League to see who could win that. Yeah, man. I mean... I mean, um, Leicester City isn't off to the greatest start. They really aren't. They're down 1-0 at halftime to Legia Warsaw. Like, they should be winning this game. I think this is an easy win for them. I think they can still come back considering it's an only it's only a one-goal deficit. But still, well, so. I don't know if it would be an easy win because Legia Warsaw is a pretty good team. But like, Yeah, I'd expect Leicester to win, especially because in a Premier, too, Leicester isn't doing that well. They're We're down Jared. in 13. With seven points. Not the best start. Arsenal looks like they're coming back after having won no games and won the last three in a row. Liverpool still first. Yeah. Speaking of Premier League, uh, there was a London derby this past weekend With Arsenal taking that one, 3-1, which is a bit of a shocker. And... Um, Aston Villa beating Man United was a big shocker after Bruno Fernandez just shanked the penalty kick, which was very bad. And awesome. the Champions League rematch, City gets their yeah. revenge from Chelsea. Ch- Main City, Chelsea. This time, Man City won one nil. So that was a good game, too. I'd say it was deserved by City. They played better. It was a deserved win, but City in Liverpool still in front of City, so we'll have to see how that league Premier League plays out because yeah, um, there's Brighton's also still up their tied points with Everton, Man United, Chelsea, and City. So City, um, we'll see. City was supposed was like they had they, um. According to the stats, they limited Chelsea to five shots with zero shots on target. And City themselves had 15 shots with four of them on target. So in my opinion, I think that the Chelsea-City game was a very one-sided game. And I believe that City could have had way more than one goal. But very good game played by City. Yeah,
2: and but you know,
3: it, it like games this like that happen tackle. where you shoot a lot, but you can't score. It's like, they just happen. It also happened for... Chelsea in the Champions League. This, time. I mean, they they had all the shots and everything, but they didn't score. Atlanta young boys. Atlanta only won one zero, but they could have scored a lot more. Also, that Ajax. I think they could have had more than two. They had twenty two shots and were just were on target. So, should we move over to Syria? Sure. Right now, Napoli's still in first place with two points ahead of Milan. They haven't lost a single game yet. I think game of the year for Serie A, eh? In Milan and Atalanta. Very good oh, yeah. game. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, in a, oh, Ended up 2-2 with an 85th-minute penalty missed. 90th-minute goal taken away by VAR to Atalanta. It was an amazing game. Yeah, did y'all see that? Atalanta, with even with that draw, they dropped down
11: to seventh. And speaking yeah, of, yeah,
3: but Atalanta, honestly, they, they they've played some pretty good teams so far. I think when they start playing some of the lower level teams, they could get back up. And yeah, but this is the 10th. That's a shocker. This upcoming week, Atalanta is Milan. That so would
2: it, be a it's very not gonna game.
3: be it's not gonna be easy. But then they start the next week. They play Empoli, so it'll be. A bit more relaxing. And not this week, but October 17th, Roma plays Juventus. And this could be possibly Juventus' comeback game to prove that they are still that dominant team that we know them to be. Yeah. It really could be. Oh, and this weekend, there's the Derby, the Touring Derby, Juventus-Torino. I really want to see how that's going to end because it looks like Torino are doing very good this season, even though this weekend they tied to Venezia 1-1. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, Serie A looking pretty good. For sure. But you want to move on to La Liga? Sure, let's see. La Liga. Barcelona still struggling Ooh. a bit down in sixth, but Real Madrid doing amazing
5: in first. Oh yeah,
3: this weekend Real Madrid tie with Real Royale. Alves beat Atletico Madrid, which is a shocker. And yeah, Barcelona, Barcelona won 3 0 In this upcoming week, Barcelona plays Atletico Madrid, and that'll be a very good game. Uh, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, one of those games that always entertaining. Never lets you down, and we uh, we also have to watch out for the El uh, Clasico this season.
11: Yeah,
3: I mean, being third real second, that's really good. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we associate that being a second is very, very...
2: No shocker here,
3: Kareem Benzema, top goal scorer. Uh, let's see who the top of sixth is, again, Kareem Benzema. Yeah, Benzema, it looks like he's having a good season. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah so, I yeah. We, uh-huh. I think we've covered everything for this week, eh? Yeah? Let's see. Oh, Bundesliga. Let's talk about that first. Awesome. League, we forgot about that last the week. The teams, Bayern, who won 5-0 this weekend first, not really a surprise. They've been first for a few years. They're a really consistent team. Leverkusen second, who is in Europa League, and last year ended sixth. That's pretty. That's not a pretty big surprise. Even good than Wolfsburg. Who's in Champions League and Dortmund, who are, is also in Champions League? You know, they're third and fourth, not doing bad. Not two big shots with the with shocks with the Bundesliga. I mean, Leipzig being down at tenth, that's kind of a big upset. But besides yeah, I like besides that, the top five kind of looks. It looks like it should. Look. I mean, Dortmund. Yeah, be- I guess so. the only thing is Eintracht sure Frankfurt. They're in the Europa League now. They're down there. In 14th place, I feel like they could be doing better, especially because, I mean, last year they were in the Europa League, so they got fifth. I don't yeah. know, we can see if they can come back or if they're staying on there. And then, Monchengladbach, i sorry if I pronounced it wrong, but they were in the Champions League. Monchengladbach, yeah. Yeah, last year, and now they're down in 11th. Also, last year they ended eighth, but... Yeah, we saw them in the Champions League one year, and they're not doing too good now. Yeah, well, um, is there anything else you want to go over, or do we have it all? Uh, I think that's it. What about League One? Oh, yeah, League One. Uh, we can just look over P- that, because that PSG. is a PSG. Yeah, PSG expected to win it, because, I mean... They do have the best team, and they are first right now. They have zero the losses, eight wins. Haven't They already season. have a nine-point lead over the second place, I think. I don't know. There's not much competition. Lil, who won it last year, down in ninth place, with 11 points. Looks hard to catch up. Marcel is third. Lenz is second. Lenz doing pretty good. Yeah. They were down in seventh last year. This year... All the way up to second so far, so yeah. We'll just have to see and then nice niece in fourth place. But yeah. Yeah, I think we've covered it all. Yeah, I think so too. Well thanks guys. Um we'll see y'all next week on podcast number three. Thank you so much for listening to European Soccer Report and I hope you listen to our next episode. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
0: That's our show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.